Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the Broadway Theater in Saskatoon was the location of an award-winning film on regenerative agriculture. Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association hosted the premiere of the documentary Common Ground earlier this month. Derek Axton is the president of Sask Soil. He says the film examines the benefits of healthy soil and its impact on climate, and he hopes it is a jumping-off point for meaningful discussion on regenerative ag. A new cull sow processing facility in Saskatchewan is expected to generate economic spin-offs for the next 30 to 40 years. North 40 Foods is ramping up operations at its new state-of-the-art sow processing facility in Moose Jaw. The federally inspected plant is on the site of the former XL beef plant and has the capacity to process up to 225,000 sows each year. North 49 Foods Industry Relations Manager Neil Kettleson says the project has received tremendous support from producers and industry leaders across Western Canada. After the break, Derek Axton. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Derek, today we're going to be talking about an upcoming screening for a film called Common Ground, which focuses on the regenerative agriculture movement. So a lot of buzz around regenerative ag. So what do you do on your farm or your, what are your practices that, that you would consider to be regenerative? Regenerative ag for us is is a little bit about like thinking about about outcomes and thinking about soil maybe a little differently than most people have thought about soil. Like we like to think of soil as like a living ecosystem, and we do everything we can to to foster the life in the soils and 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 regenerative is literally that. It's about regenerating regenerating the reason you know it's our greatest resource, right? And uh, we like to think of, of trying to do everything we can to you know regenerate and make our soils function sort of in nature's image. And sometimes it's about doing less. Um, you know, on our farm we do. You know, there's there's the you know there's the the, the six principles of soil health. Um, I feel like you know, living roots, trying to have as many living roots as we can, keeping the soil covered. You know, whether with living plants or with or with you know past crop residues. Um, reducing inputs as much as we can, but still maintaining, uh, you know, productivity. You know, cr- you know, obviously crop yields are still important for us, but um, I always like to reframe it a little bit in the idea of of maximizing uh, profitability over productivity, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we get sometimes we get a little bit hung up with like. You know, maximizing yields, which is which is fine, but for us, it's more about maximizing quality of outcomes. So, you know, there's there's it's been really interesting the last few years how there's been sort of a bit of a shift in the regenerative world to, you know, measuring things like nutrient density of of grains, uh, measuring biological activity of soils, and how those interrelate. And one of the interesting things that's, that's actually come out of a lot of this is that there's a there's a strong correlation between, you know, strong biological activity, nutrient density of grains and flavor. And that's something that we're really excited about. You know, we, you know, we like to think about food as, as medicine really, and how we can 
all, you know, and all of these things are interconnected and related back to regenerative agriculture is how how we can start thinking about some of the, the you know, solving some of the problems, you know, that we have, you know, in related, maybe related sort of to climate and human health and all of those can be solved through regenerative agriculture. I like how you said sometimes it means doing less. And I think all we have to do is jump on YouTube and take a look at, at footage from the 1930s, the dirty 30s, and how tillage was such a big deal. That was, that was how farming was done then. But, you know, how the topsoil was lost and, you know, soil dr- drifting, you know, uh, into yards and in, into ditches and that type of thing. So I think the doing less is just, but that's just one component of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, that's one, definitely one of the pillars of regenerative agriculture is, is, is re, you know, reducing dis- disturbance really, right? So, and disturbance can be mechanical, you know, it can be tillage. Uh, disturbance can be, you know, high amounts of, of you know, synthetic inputs. Um, we've been fortunate enough that we, uh, we were asked to become, there, there's, there's um, some certification bodies that are starting to pop up in the world now um, because regenerative is, is, is it's a really hard thing to define as, a, as you've seen for me. Um, but one of the things that we're, we're finding is that it's easier to measure outcomes than it is to be prescriptive with practices because every, you know, and that's, that's where context falls into place too is, is every, you know, every 20 miles or every 50 miles practices and things can be different on, you know, on certain farms to get these outcomes. So, you know, measuring things like biological activity and water infiltration and holding capacity of soils. Uh, and these are things that can be measured, you know, relatively easily, but scientifically to, to prove that certain practices are giving outcomes. And that's really what we're trying to achieve because where we live here in, in Southern Saskatchewan is moisture is generally our most limiting factor and everything we can do to capture and hold water for a later time is, is very important. And uh, we find that focusing on things like that really will help our outcomes and help us build, build a biological system that will function and get better year after year. Talking about the film, and uh, you and your wife, Tannis, have watched it. I've just yep. seen the trailer, and, and it really is a lot of focus on real people and sharing their stories, um, the concerns, but also presenting some, uh, you know, some hope and maybe some thoughts and, and options for the future. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like there, there's quite a few farmers that are, there. there's like sort of little kind of case studies, I guess you'd call them in the film and different farmers in, in different parts of America that are, that are doing things and have been doing things, these practices for many years. And, and they talk about like what they, the problems they've seen and, and, you know, and some of the solutions that they've learned um, by make, doing these practices on their farms. And, and I, I think it's, it's really well done and really well shown you know, and, and there, there's some, you know, there's some controversial parts of the movie. I think uh, they, they talk about glyphosate. Um, you know, they talk about tillage. They, they talk about, you know, the food system in, in, as a whole. And um, I think they do a really good job of offering up some solutions. A little bit of Hollywood star power. You know, um, a film 
uh, documentary-style film always gets maybe a little more attention when you mention Jason Momoa or Woody Harrelson. Um, what do you think the, that lends to the film? Do you think it's something that maybe will draw a few more people in? I think so, yeah. I mean, if anyone has, had seen Kiss the Ground, you know, it's, it's a lot of the same folks, uh, and then they've expanded that cast. Um, you know, and I think we're, we're all a little bit wiser now than, you know, so I think, the, I think this, and this film is a little more farmer focused and a little more solutions based. And I, I think that there's, um, yeah, with, with like with Rick Clark and, and Gabe Brown and some of the farmers that have been, you know, doing these practices for many years and, and, you know, they, they really do, you know, they go out into their fields and, and they, they show some side by side comparisons of, of, you know, some neighboring fields and then you walk across the line into their fields and it's, it's hard to believe that those fields are actually beside each other and there can be that much difference, you know, and the difference is simply management. I think the real stars are going to be, and I'm saying this, Derek, because you're on the panel afterwards too, <laughs> but you are going to have a panel discussion afterwards, which is a great idea. So, uh, uh, Tell me about that, uh, a little bit about that, and why you think it's important to get that that farmer perspective uh, after watching this film. I, yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be really good to have the panel. You know, like we've got Rick Clark, who's in the film, obviously, but then we've got, like, um, well, I guess myself. Uh, we're, a, we're kind of a diverse green farm, and then we've got uh, Cody Straza, who's an organic <laughs> farmer from Wood Mountain area and uh, they have a, an ROC, so like a regenerative organic certification uh, on their farm. And then uh, Mark Heimer is a, is a livestock producer uh, from east of us at Gladmar, Saskatchewan. And they have a forage-based um, livestock operation where they they're, they, they grass finish uh, beef and direct market to consumers on their operation. So, and then it's going to be moderated by, by Blaine Jaredis and Blaine is a oh gosh he, I don't know what to call Blaine he's a he's a legend really but he's a I guess you'd call him sort of a holistic educator um, Blaine's been involved with holistic management Canada for, for a long time uh, he's heavily involved in 4-H and he's just a he's just a really good panel moderator and I we're looking forward to how he leads the conversation but it's all about I think giving some local context because in the film, I mean, obviously, the, the, the folks that they interview and the people that are in the movie are, are um, have a little different growing conditions and, than, you know, what we have locally. And I think it'll be good to offer a local perspective and talk a little bit about the things that we're doing on farms in Saskatchewan that relate to the film. Why would you recommend people go to see this film? And I, I'm talking about not just people in, involved, farmers and those involved in the, the agriculture industry, but the general public, why do you think it's important to see it? I think it's important for like for all of us to see the film because I think it's going to be a good place to, uh, to start a conversation, you know, about solutions and, uh, and about common ground, honestly, and about where, where folks can find common ground to talk about, you know, some of these solutions to some, you know, some of our healthcare issues and, and some of our climate concerns and just have a really open, transparent conversation. Derek Axton is the president of the Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association. They hosted the documentary Common Ground, discussing regenerative agriculture that was held in Saskatoon.
After the break, we'll hear from Neil Kettleson with North 49 Foods, talking about a new Kalsau processing facility in Saskatchewan. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. North 49 Foods has officially opened a cull sow processing facility in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Neil Kettleson is the industry relations manager. Neil, first of all, give us some background on North 49 and what's involved in getting the plant ready for its new role. Well, North 49 Foods is a, uh, a new company that is going to be processing sows from across Western Canada. It's on the site of a former XL beef plant, if a lot of your listeners would know where that was. So it was an existing uh, shuttered uh, beef plant that was in Moose Jaw. Uh, the parent company, Donald's Fine Foods, also owns Thunder Creek Pork in Moose Jaw. And so this was, uh, you know... When they wanted to expand into the sow business, this was a, a very natural move for them as the existing footprint of the building was already there. Uh, so we didn't have to build a shell and some of the refrigeration units and things like that. But what we did is, is absolutely remodel the whole thing. And, uh, you know, there's all new equipment in there. There's new floors, there's new walls. There's, uh, it, it's a very significant upgrade from what it was. And so, yes, we uh, had a grand opening of the plant uh, last Friday. And, uh, and the plant expects to start operations uh, sometime this week. Uh, the ramp-up will be quite slow, as, as I'm sure everybody would appreciate. Uh, you know, we've got new staff that need to be trained. Uh, you know, we've got equipment that we've got to make sure is fine-tuned to do the job that we wanted to. And so we don't see it totally ramped up for uh, for at least a few months. So this is significant. So tell us why having a call sow processing facility in Western Canada is so important. You know, right now, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners, especially the people in the hog industry would know and understand this, is there really isn't a large sow processing plant in Canada. Uh, the, uh, at present, uh, there, there's two smaller ones in Manitoba that we're aware of, and they certainly do a good job, but they don't have the capacity to do what's out there. There's about 200,000 uh, animals that would uh, uh, actually be assembled in Western Canada, uh, shipped all the way into the United States, a lot of them for 1,500 kilometers or more. So that's about a 15-hour ride for a lot of these animals. Uh, you know, it, it really didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, we thought there was a, a niche for us in this market, uh, certainly something that could be harvested here in in, uh, in in the prairies. Moose Jaw is ideal because it's kind of in between all three of the prairie provinces. So from a transportation point of view, it makes a lot of sense. And it also is extremely good for the industry in terms of the biosecurity it provides and not having to cross the U.S. border and come back. As well as, as well as the border risks of, you know, anything that might happen that would disrupt flow of, uh, of animals. So uh, from an industry point of view, it's a win-win situation. Uh, we have a tremendous support from producers right across Western Canada and industry leaders as well. So uh, it, it's really a positive move for all of us. Can you talk about uh, what markets will be targeted and with what particular products? Well, sows, as you know, are, are uh, older female hogs. Uh, some of them are quite large. Uh, they vary in terms of, 
you know, different, uh, you know, sizes to them, if you will, and or, and or meat quality that would come out of these animals. So uh, a lot of would be ground, I expect, for sausages. Uh, you know, they will do their best to take the primals as much as they possibly can. But uh, any meat, you know, in the, in the short term, at least, uh, sausage will be the end product of these things. And, and from a domestic marketing point of view, there's lots of demand for this type of product. Uh, and also internationally. So we're getting inquiries from both domestic as well as international customers to source some of the product that might come out of this plant. What are the anticipated spin-offs in terms of job creation, both at the facility itself and spin-off jobs at associated industries? And what will that mean in terms of economic benefits? Well, for the city of Moose Jaw and the province of Saskatchewan, uh, the plant, we, we anticipate it will open up with around 80 people. Uh, we already have uh, 42 people that are that are here from uh, New Canadians. And uh, they've been in the plant starting to do some of the training, you know, making sure they're familiar with the plant, those kinds of things. And we will have more come each and every month for the next few months. Uh, we anticipate to add to that, uh, you know, over the coming uh years so that uh, in a year or so we hope to be up to 200 people and and have enough product flowing through that uh, facility to make it worthwhile you know so you know it brings tremendous amount of uh, uh, income to the city uh, a lot of new people there uh, in in the province I mean you know everybody would like to grow the province and this is certainly one opportunity to do it Uh, that plant is is absolutely brand new now, and and we anticipate that'll be here for the next 30 to 40 years. So it's steady full-time income that will provide to, uh, you know, the people that work there, their families, and all the infrastructure around them. And and I think we appreciate that the spin-ups are great. Uh, For every dollar that's earned, there's multiple dollars that are spent, you know, time and time again by different things. So it's excellent for for the city as well as the province. Uh, Thanks again, Neil, for joining us today. And uh, any final thoughts? I guess one thing that's probably uh, important in terms of the grand opening and stuff is is the Lund family. uh, It's a family-owned company that owns the entire uh, Donald's Fine Foods. They have six operating plants up and running now. This is their 30th year of operation. And so as part of that, they have a budget set aside to you know, do something for their clients, for their supporters, for their people they work with, for their customers. And and this year, what they decided to do is donate $100,000 towards two uh, groups. Uh, one is the food bank, got $50,000 in Moose Jaw. And the other one was the uh, Moose Jaw Health Foundation received another $50,000 to help them buy some uh, new equipment that'll help screening for breast cancer. So, Two absolutely worthwhile donations, and and I'm certainly as much appreciated by the community. Neil Kettleson is the Industry Relations Manager for North 49 Foods. And here are the top agriculture stories for the week of November 6, 2023. The Senate rejected an amendment to Bill C-234 in an important vote on the farm carbon tax exemption. 
The majority of senators rejected the amended version, clearing the path for the on-farm carbon tax exemption to move ahead for third reading and one step closer to royal assent. If the amended version of the bill would have been accepted, the revised bill would have been sent back to the House of Commons where government could have delayed it indefinitely. Many individual farmers and farm groups contacted senators over the past two weeks, asking them to vote against the amended bill at the report stage. Canada's agriculture minister returned from a trip to Vietnam, Japan and South Korea to meet with key industry groups to explore new business opportunities, promote agri-food products and meet with local government representatives. Canada exports nearly half of its agriculture production and the Indo-Pacific region represents economic opportunities. Lawrence McCauley says the government is committed to opening the first-ever Indo-Pacific Agriculture and Agri-Food Office in Manila, Philippines. The Canola Development Commissions in Saskatchewan, Alberta and Manitoba have joined together to launch a new brand campaign. Hello Canola is a joint national marketing program telling the story of canola, its many uses and health benefits. Canola is grown on over 20 million acres across Canada, primarily in Western Canada, and is one of the country's most valuable agricultural exports. More than 207,000 Canadian jobs are linked to canola, and the crop's potential continues to grow. The Hello Canada website has a learning centre recipe area, talks about the many benefits of the crop and its sustainability story. Organic Grain Price Discovery Hub has been launched. The platform will provide vital statistics in a buyer directory that is needed in the sector. The Organic Grain Hub is a digital platform that aggregates organic crop price data through a combination of crowdsourcing and bi-monthly calls with major Canadian organic buyers. The hub was established by the Manitoba Organic Alliance in partnership with Prairie Organic Producer Groups. There are numerous career opportunities within the agriculture sector. That was a message from Agriculture in the Classroom Canada to high school students as part of a career month event. Ag in the Classroom held a virtual panel featuring four McCain employees who shared their experience and insights to inspire students to consider a career in agriculture. You can find the virtual panel event at the Ag in the Classroom Canada YouTube page. Seven lifelong Canadian agriculture ambassadors from across the country were formally inducted into the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame at a ceremony in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. The 2023 inductees are Garnet Eltwasser, John Bragg, Rory Francis, Marcel Groleau, Ron Helwer, Robert K. Irwin, and Ray Robertson. Hall President Ted Menzies said the inductees represent the diversity that drives the long-standing success and outstanding reputation of Canadian agriculture with the individuals making lasting impacts on ag. The Hall of Fame honours and celebrates Canadians for their outstanding contributions to the agriculture and food industry. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.